maybe the top of last week I'm thinking it is, I had a God thought. And this morning's speaker was in that thought. And so I personally reached out to her. I've never heard her speak. But I believe when God speaks, we should move. And I know um, by the Holy Ghost, she has something for our house this morning. Um, She's a millennial. Whom God is using tremendously in this 21st century. She recently married her childhood sweetheart, Matthew Gardner. And has one daughter through their marriage named Zoe. Did I say that right? Zoe. And her mom is here this morning. Apostle Irving, Pastor Brenda. Come on, let's celebrate her. Clap. And so I'm, I'm not even going to read this. I just want to release her. I want you to do whatever God has released you to do. Sing, preach, prophesy, whatever. But I want you to place a demand on her this morning. I, I want you to pull everything out of her this morning. And that being the person of Minister Charity Irvin Gardner. Come on, clap your hands, saints. Come on, clap your hands. Now, somebody give God some praise. Come on, somebody give God some praise. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Wow, this is an honor to be here, man of God. Um, I'd like to first thank God for my mom who's here. My dad in his absence. And most of all, my husband who released me to come. I thank God for him. How many know God is doing something new in this season? He's shifting us. We're moving out of our norm and we're going into a new season. Amen? I just want to start by just praying. We're going to lift it up to God. Hallelujah. Lord, we thank you for this time, God. We don't believe there is an accident with you. There's no mistake. There's no coincidence. We believe that it is ordained by God for this moment and this time. We pray, God, that you will have your way. Speak to us, oh God. Remove every bondage and yoke that should not be there. And God, we pray that you will have your way in and through us in the mighty name of Jesus. And we'll give you the glory. We'll give you the praise. Somebody give them the praise. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Jesus. Well, praise the Lord for God thoughts. You may be seated. When Pastor Reggie Royal reached out to me, I, you know, I looked at my messages and I thought I was seeing things. I was like, okay, praise the Lord. The Lord's been opening doors. So I'm, I'm like, okay, whatever you do, God, I'm, I'm all right with it. He said that he wanted me to speak on identity. And that's something that God has pretty much been causing me to speak on a lot lately because I went through such an identity challenge in my life. He didn't read my uh, biography, but there's a lot in there about it. Thank God for the young people. Let's give them a hand clap. You know what? (laughs) This is awesome. Youth Sunday, I don't want to just jump over that because I honor the young. I I believe if you want to look at the 
vitality of a church, if you want to see the, the, um, more of the power of the church or the, the longevity of the church, look at their young. How many kids do you have growing up? Because one thing I've learned is words are spirit in life. The Bible says that the power of life and death is in your tongue. When you get a young child and you grow them up and you teach them the words that you speak to them now is going to go with them throughout life. And so if you want to see the longevity of a church, if you want to see the ministry in action, look at their young people. Because as they grow, that church grows. And it goes out all over the world. So... I thank God you guys are building your young people. That is so awesome. Thank God for Crave Ministries. I love it. I love it. I love it. It is awesome. And so I'm going to speak to the young. I'm going to speak to the old. I'm going to speak to everybody. Because the spirit of God ain't got no age. He's going to speak to everybody. Apply it to whatever you want to apply it to. But as he was telling me about identity, I was thinking, I was like, okay, Lord, there's so much there. My testimony is, uh, is crazy. I, I grew up as a, uh, a pastor's child, of course, and been in church my whole life. My whole life. Camp meetings, Sundays, uh, Wednesdays, you know, you know, church almost every day. And so I knew about God. And I religiously went to church, amen? I love to be around the church people. You know, you, 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 you get relationships through church. Church is one of those entities and organizations where you develop relationships, right? And so some people wouldn't even have the friends that they have if they didn't go to church. Because you develop friendships. And so I, I went to church and I had friends and I had a bunch of friends and I, I grew up with a lot of people. And I knew about God and I heard about God every Sunday. But he was not made real to me, really, until I grew up. And, and why, why I say that is because sometimes you got to go through some things and he got to bring you out for you to see the authenticity of who he is. Some of us don't even believe God till you go through something. And then he pull you out and then you say, oh yeah, there you go. You, 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 you are real. You are real. And so I, I, I knew about God and, you know, I... I experienced, I was around the presence of the Lord always, always, always was around the presence of the Lord. But there was two things working in me. There was the spirit and there was the flesh. Right? So you know, you, mind, you, you, you have your, your spirit, your soul, and your flesh, right? And so my flesh was working against me because I wanted to do things. Is that right if I just talk to you guys like this? I'm going to preach. I'm going to go. I'm a, I'm going to go there, but I just, I, I want to build it because I want you to know who I am first. And so I, I was, I was in church my whole life and I knew about God and I experienced God. But then when I went home, I experienced something else at school and I experienced something else in culture that was directly opposite of what I was experiencing at church. And so what I developed was a different side of me. I became two people. There was a school me and then there was a church me. Right? 
That was a, that was a regular me. And then there was a church. I say a regular me because a lot of times we do the church thing, but it don't become us yet. God, God doesn't become us yet. We just do the church thing, right? And so I became two people. And in my regular life, I guess you can say that I was fighting for my identity. I didn't know who I was. And I was dealing with all these uh, perverted spirits that was coming against me. And perversion is not just homosexuality. Perversion is taking the truth and distorting it to fit what I want it to fit. It's a mixture. And that's perversion, a mixture. A lot of people are perverted and don't know how they're perverted. It's not just homosexuality. It's not just a, a, a older man taking a little child. But anytime you take the truth of God and you mix it with the world and you try to make it fit what you want to fit, you are perverting the gospel. And so what I did was I started to deal with perversion because I started to say, Maybe I was born a certain way. I, I started to say that maybe God made me differently and, and those are the good people and maybe I'm just a bad person. And so I went through a long, uh, a long stage whereas I was dealing with uh, lesbianism for about 10 years. Now I'm the pastor's child. Okay. A worshiper. All right. A singer, a musician. Dealt with it. 10 years. Now I hid it for about five of them years. <laughs> and, and until one day my mama and my dad said, oh, is this what you're doing? Is this what you're dealing with? And then I finally stood boldly and said, you know what? This is me. And I had to get out the house. <laughs> I'm going to be real. I said, I'm going to live it. I'm going to do it. This is me. And when I stood up and I, and I said it was me, see, one thing you got to understand is when other people say it's you, that's them. They're just talking. But when you say it's you, now you just put power and life behind it. They could talk about you all day long, but as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. And so what happened is I begin to think it in my heart. And I, at first I play with it. If you play with something long enough, it's going to overtake you. I promise you that. You keep sticking your hand in the fire, I promise you're going to catch fire sooner or later. But So I prayed. I played with it until it overcame me. And I went through a long series of going back and forth, you know, trying to find God and then going back out there and trying to find God and then this is just me, maybe I'm just and, and then trying to, you know, go to church and we'll get delivered and then we'll go back and lay up with the same person. That was me. I came to the front, I was on the altar and then I went back out until finally I said, I ain't going to the altar no more. I said, I ain't going to the altar no more, I'm going to do me. And then I started to dibble and dabble in being a reprobate. We're going to talk about that. Because a reprobate, a lot of people look at it as, oh, you know, you just, uh, you would never find God when you become a reprobate and this and that. But a reprobate basically is a perverted mind. It's perverted thinking. You actually think what you're thinking is right in a reprobate mind. 
You think it's true. You think it is, it is God. I'm, I'm still saved. Wait a minute. I'm still saved. I could do what I want to do, but I'm still saved. And that's how I started to think. I can do what I want to do. I'm going to go to this gay church over here and I'm going to do what I want to do with them and we're going to have a good time and I'm going to be this way always. And that's what I started to think until my dad looked at me and by the spirit of the living God, he began to speak to me. He said, you're about to be reprobate. You are about to go there. And if you don't change soon, it'll be no hope. On my way here, the Lord told me to tell you guys to preserve the truth. I said, God, what, what, what do you mean? He's preserved the truth. The devil is after the truth. That's why so many uh, marriages are ending in divorce and people are going through so much. It's not so much as uh, the devil don't like their marriage. The devil don't like true marriage. That's what it is. The attack is after the true marriage. The representation of God in the church. That's what it really is. And so he said, preserve the truth. And I was thinking about that thing. I I was listening to something about, you know, our president. And he he said that uh, it was in his book, I believe. And he said uh, there's something called truthful hyperbole. He created that truthful hyperbole. Basically, it's a lie. But he said if you say it long enough, it'll become truth. And I had to think about it. He said if you say it long enough, it'll become truth to the hearer. And, uh, you know, and you're looking at the, the, the marches and things and he'll be like, there's thousands of people here and it's really only hundreds. But he said so much, there's thousands of thousands of people here. And then after a while, all we're going to hear is what he said. Only the people that was there would know the truth. But if you say it because words are spirit and it is life, it outlives you. That's why you got to watch what you say just kind of jumping back and forth but I'm going to tell you my story and so you have to watch even what you say to your young people a lot of people you don't even know that you're planting seeds in your children it's a principle somebody said it's a principle no matter what God said as long as the earth remains there'll be seed time and harvest there's seed you're seeding into them in a short time you're going to see a harvest And you think because you don't see it so soon that it's not coming, but it's coming. God is not mocked whatsoever a man sought, that shall he, that shall he reap. And so you have to sow good seeds into your children. So what I did was I started to get a reprobate mind and I started to shift and the person who I was with. uh, and, And it's not like. See, the thing is, a lot of times they'd be like, oh, your life was horrible and stuff. So you got saved, you know. It mine wasn't that bad. I'm not gonna lie to you. It wasn't that bad. I, I dealt with, you know, good people and we we did a whole lot of traveling and doing stuff. And so it wasn't bad at first. It was pretty fun at first. I'll be honest with you. And 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 the person I was with, we modeling and doing all type of stuff, so we was kinda in it. But then my mind began to shift. And when my dad told me what he told me, things in my life started to shift because I started to look at it like, oh, uh uh-oh, wait a minute. I don't want to go so far that I can't come back. 
I, you know, I was just playing with it. I, you know, I, I, I don't want to get too far gone till I can't come back. So what are, what are you saying to me, God? What do you want me to do? And I even told the person, I was like, you know what? I don't even believe in hell no more. Y'all know the church, a lot of people don't even believe in hell no more. Do y'all know that? Y'all, I, and I told her, I said, I don't even believe in hell no more. She said, I don't know what's wrong with you. This is the person I was with. I don't know what's wrong with you. I believe in hell. And she had to tell me the truth. That's how far my mind has started to twist the truth up. And I told somebody, the reason why I got that far is because a lot of times when you're doing wrong things, you have to live with yourself, right? And so you make yourself believe that what you're doing is right. You reason in yourself. Am I lying? Am I lying? I'm telling the truth, right? I will sit there and pervert the truth all day long in my mind. That's why the word tells us uh, by the renewing of our mind will we prove what is the good and the acceptable and perfect will of God. Your mind got to be new. So I started to pervert the gospel and pervert the things of God. And I would say, you know, I was born this way. God loves me anyway. He does. He loves you anyway. He loves you anyway. But there is a true way of living. In the beginning, God said, be fruitful and multiply. That's a, begin- that's a command in the beginning. And creation tells us what's true and what's false. Think about it. You can't be fruitful and multiply like that. So something has to be perverted in it. Something has to be wrong with it. If it goes against what God already commanded us to do. And you know what? That's a little side note. If it goes against what God already told you to do, something may be perverted in it. I don't know what it is, but if it, if it goes against the word of God and what God has already said in the word of God, something has to be wrong with it. You can reason all day long, but something is wrong. So. I began to, my mind began to shift and do all of these things and I began to pervert the gospel. But I always had a seed in me. I always had a seed in me. I would go to the club and something would still be jumping on the inside that say, I love God. God, no God is real. I remember I went to, a, went to a club and they was about to come in and shoot it up. And something on the inside of me told me to get up and leave. I left right before they shot it up. Listen, I I remember I was supposed to go to this dance with this boy at my school. And I didn't, I ended up going to Bible school. I ended up going to Bible study at church. And that same boy got shot 15 times. The boy I was supposed to be with. That's how you know all things are working together for the good of those that love God and are called according to his purpose. When you have a purpose. So he protected me even in my ignorance. He protected me when I didn't deserve to be protected. He loved me when I didn't love myself. And so what happened is. I began to pervert the gospel in my mind. And pervert things in my mind. And. All of a sudden, my life began to shift, though, because my dad told me what he told me. He sat me down. I used to play the drums. He sat me down and said, you can't play drums no more. 
That broke my heart. Y'all don't even know. <laughs> that crushed me because I was playing the drum since I was really, really young. That, you know, music is just in us. And when he told me I couldn't do that, he said, can't do that no more. God told me that I have to sit you down. I have to, I have to remove you from that. And I said, okay, okay. I got mad at God. I thought I was being ostracized. I thought he didn't love me. I was, I was angry. I was like, you don't love me because this is just me. This is just me. And a lot of times we say that this is just me. But he made you. He knows you before you even know yourself. More than you know yourself. And a lot of times we go through this world and we pick up things and we put it on us and we say it's us. But it's really not us. And so he sat me down and I couldn't, I couldn't play the drums no more and I couldn't do the things that I love to do because I love to hide in church and I love to do the things of church but I didn't love to love God. I've been coming against this religious spirit for a while now because we hide. Church people are good at hiding. We're good at hiding. They're, we can be crumbling inside and, 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 and things can be falling apart on the inside of us and we'll still come in here and act like ain't nothing wrong with us. We'll still stand up and act like we don't have a problem, like we don't have an issue. But if there's somebody in here that say, I will seek him. And I will find him because I know I have an issue. I know I have a problem. The Lord told me, he said, you know what? As long as you are in the dark, then my light can't shine through it. As long as you hide it, you can't get help for it. But anything that is seen has light in it. Then my light can come through and I can help you with it. And I told, I told the school, I just preached at a uh, college the other day. And I said, he reveals it to heal it. If he revealed it, he's ready to heal it. Don't be afraid when God reveals things in you. Because he reveals it to heal it. He reveals, you to, he reveals it to deliver you and to help you and to set you free. So I like to think that I want to go to Matthew, the 13th chapter and the 24th verse. This is Jesus telling a parable to the Jews. He said, another parable put he forth unto them saying, the kingdom of heaven is likened unto a man which sowed good seed in his field. But while men slept, his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and went his way. This is a youth service. I'm going to get to where I want, I want to get to. I'm going to say it again. He said, the kingdom of heaven is likened unto a man which sowed good seed in his field. But while men slept, his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and went and, and went his way. But when the blade was sprung up. And brought forth fruit. Then appeared the tares also with the wheat. Mm. So the servants of the householder came and said unto him. Sir, this not thou sow good seed in thy field? 
From whence then hath it tears? This is my life. He said unto them, an enemy hath done this. The servant said unto him, wilt thou then that we go and gather them up? But he said, nay, lest while ye gather up the tares, ye root up also the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest and in the time of harvest, I will say to the reapers, gather ye together first the tares and bind them in bundles to burn them, but gather the wheat into my burn. I say this is my life because God had seed in me in the beginning. These young people, God has seed in them. Even right now, good seed. Wheat seed that will bring forth a harvest. But an enemy wants to come along and sow tares as they grew. I, you know, there were tares sown into me as a young, at a young age. I was in uh, elementary school. I was uh, about 8 to 10. I was molested by my coach for a while. And, and so the tares were sowed into me. At a young age to hate men. At a young age. He start young. He start young. And so at that, at that moment, I'm like, okay, you know what? You know, this, this is just all guys are bad. All guys are, are dirty. Anytime I would get close to somebody, they would. And most people that get molested or, or sexually abused, it usually happens again. In my book, I'm talk, I call it a spirit of victimization. But it draws the offender. There's a spirit that draws offenders. Well, I'm not going to deal with it right now, but there is a spirit that draws offenders. And when they connect, things happen. But so I, of course I went on through my life and that happened again. And I, you know, I would get closer. And my daddy is a good man. He never, you know, did nothing crazy, but see the devil will have us to look at all the bad people and not even see the good ones. Not even see the people that sowed good seed into our lives. And so all I saw was the bad people. All I saw was the bad things that they did to me. And it made me grow to hate. And a lot of times, you know, you may not go into lesbianism, but you can go into promiscuity. You'll say, I'm going to treat each and every last one of them like the dog that they are. And you would do things, right? So you really don't have to go my route. Or you can go to an angry spirit. And, and, and try to control them and hurt them. There's a lot of ways that it manifests. But my way, I just manifested it in, in lesbianism for a while. And so, the good seed was planted in me, but the devil came to sow tares. The only way you know the difference between a tear and a wheat is the root in the beginning. They look the same. They look, but as they grow, the difference you'll know is the wheat is strong. It's strong and it lasts. It bends over when the wind blows. That's worship, wheat. The tares, they grow short. They're stubborn, prideful. That's the tares. And so what happened was there was wheat and there was tares in me. There was a part of me that worshiped. There was a part of me that loved God. 
There was a part of me that bowed to God. But then there was another part of me that was prideful, that thought my way was the right way. That didn't want to conform to the word and will of God. And the enemy has done this. That's why we have to watch our young people. Because he, the devil will use anything to try to mess them up. I'm telling you. He'll use music. He'll use this culture. He'll use people. You got to watch your children, your little girls uh, spending the night over everybody's house. You got to watch that stuff. You don't know what's going on behind closed doors. Some of you need to get on your child's Facebook page and look at who she been talking to. Who you messaging. Because there's an enemy that's ready to sow tears. That's ready to mess them up while the seed is planted in the beginning stages. And so, so the farmer said, he said, you know, wait, wait, don't, don't pull it up right away. Lest you mess the weed up with it. Some people mentally aren't evolved enough for you to get them delivered yet. I'm going to tell you the truth. Want to know why? Because they still, still too connected to them. They think that it's them. And if you pull it up by the root, you'll pull up the wheat too. Because there's an intertwinedness to it. And so what God is saying is, he said, he said, wait, wait till it come to fruition. Wait till it grows up a little bit. And that's what God is doing right now. He's growing us up mentally. Some things we thought God is trying to change that right now. He's sowing seeds right now, good seeds. And so he said, wait till it grows up. He said, I'll pull up the tares. I'll pull up the tares and I'll throw them in the fire. And then all you'll have is wheat. All you'll have is wheat. So what God did with my life is he pulled out the tares. Yeah, I didn't think, honestly, that I would ever get married. I didn't think I would get married. I didn't even think that I would wear a dress. But when God delivers you, he does a complete job. You don't smell like it anymore. The Bible talks about how the children, the, the Hebrew boys went into the fire, but they didn't even smell like the fire that they had. That's what God want to do for us. He wants you to come out not even smelling like it. A complete job. I didn't think that I would ever be preaching. I didn't think that I would have everything that I have, but it's only because of God's grace and his mercy, which is sufficient for us. And so I did have to hit a rough place. I hit a rough place when, before I came to the Lord and I started to see people for who they were. The people I thought were my friends. God had to show me that they weren't my friends. That he will stick closer than a brother. That he's really the one that is my friend. Because a lot of times some people don't want to change because they don't want to leave their friends. Some people don't want to shift because their friends is in a certain place and you will feel like you're betraying your friends. But God is saying you're going to have to leave that stuff behind if you want to go to the next level. 
You're going to have to walk forward and leave that stuff behind. You're going to have to press toward the mark of the prize of the high calling, which is in Christ Jesus. That was a press. And he will give you double for your trouble. Let me tell you something. You cannot be God-given. And if you let something go, God will give you double. Don't think that you have to be stuck in a place and stuck in a position. I I used to say, I said, you know what? I I was born like this. You know, they can't change me. I was born. I really thought that I used to say that type of stuff. I was born like this, but that's why the word of God said you can be born again. You have to be born again, which means your mind will be born, your heart, your spirit, the things that drive you, the things that you like can be changed. And I like how he was, this is, this is called the crave youth. I love that. I love that. Cause when you think about a crave, you think about a pregnant woman that craves things, right? I want, I want, you know, some of them crave pickles and ice cream and things like that. But how many of you know when you're pregnant in the spirit, you crave God. All I want is God. I want to get in my word. I want to pray. I need God. Somebody say, I need thee. Oh, I need thee. Every day, every hour, I need thee. If I don't have God, I don't have nothing. Crave. That's what God wants to do in us. He that hungereth and thirsts for righteousness shall be filled. Some of us, our problem is we ain't hungry enough because we too filled up with other stuff. We got too much other mess in us. And so our desire isn't there. Our wanting isn't there. But God wants us to crave him. Uh, He wants us to crave him more. And so I believe in this hour, what God is doing is he's shifting us. And he takes, he's taking us to a place where we desire even more of him. The lights, the fame, the action, all of that stuff, that, that stuff blows over. You know, you, you, you have some stuff, but that, that stuff goes over. What, what, what we want is God. What we desire is his truth, his revelation. What we want is more of him. How many will say, I want God? Come on, I want God. I want God. I want God. In the morning time, I want God. In the noon day, I want God. Every day, I want God. I need him. And so, what God began to do is he began to clean me out. I went through a season, months, uh, where I, I mean, I was just in straight fasting, straight, I'm talking about prayer and word, eating every day. I didn't even hardly eat like for almost a year, just in my word, because he was clean, he was cleaning me out. Those things that I developed over the years that I, that I accepted as truth, God had to change my whole mind. God had to change my whole idea of what is right. He had to cleanse me, purify, and purge me. 
And so what happened is, I, for a whole year, I was just nonstop in the word, 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 in prayer, in the word. And I, I'm getting, but the thing is, nobody even knew I had gotten saved until six months into it. I still dressed the same. Because God had to take that out. That was something that I developed. That was a, and I was a tomboy. I was a stud when I was out there. You can't tell now, but I was, I was a real stud. And God had to take that out of me. I didn't wear, I mean, I didn't wear heels or none of that stuff. Like I was baggy, everything. And so people couldn't tell that God was changing me yet. So one day, uh, my dad was preaching. He looked at me and he said, you know, I know, cause I didn't want, I didn't want to tell people I was getting, I got saved because I didn't want them to get their hopes up too high. <laughs> and then I let them down. So I hit it. It's like, I mean, if this going, if this is going to happen for real, you know, God, you do it. You know, I give it to you, but you do it. And so what happened was that, you know, nobody knew that I was saved for almost six months. And I was like, my dad looked at, he said, God has done something to you. You're changed. You're new. This, I shouted for the first time in years. First time in like, oh my God, almost what? Seven, eight years. I shouted and, and, and I, I made my profession known. And once you make your profession known, we overcome by the blood of the lamb and by the word of our testimony. A lot of times people don't even know that you're saved, but you're going to have to open your mouth and say that you're saved because the word of your testimony drives your deliverance. And so I I shouted, I I gave God the, the best praise that I have, and I have not looked back. been about six seven years now I have not looked back the Lord brought my husband back that I I I mean this was the only guy I ever dated that's the funny thing he was my only boyfriend and I end up marrying him only God only God knows what you need only God knows who you're supposed to be and what you're supposed to do. And when he lets you know who you are, listen to him. Don't cover it up. Don't hide it. Listen to him. He knows more than you. Everybody's standing. He knows your end before your beginning. He's from everlasting to everlasting, alpha and omega, the beginning and the end. He knew your story before it was written. He told Jeremiah, while you were in your mother's womb, I ordained you. I ordained you, says God. I anointed you. Before you even were here, I anointed you. Hallelujah, Jesus. Come on, just lift your hands. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Not our way, God, but your way. Not our will, but your will. Not our thoughts, but your thoughts. God, even as heaven is higher than the earth, so are your ways and thoughts higher than ours. And so we surrender to your way, God. We surrender to your way. And we will preserve the truth. 
Hallelujah, Jesus.